0: Hola amigos and welcome back to another episode of La Vida Verde podcast. I am your host, Matthew Human, here at Think of Vida Verde. And my guest this week needs a little introduction. Charles Eisenstein is an author, a philosopher, a father, and a policy advisor to the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for U.S. President campaign. I'm very excited to talk to him about that. It's going to be a great episode. I hope you enjoy. Charles Eisenstein. Welcome to la, back to La Vida Verde. Yeah. Nice to be here to with you, you even, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So, like, people have been, uh, well, you have a, quite a following. People, A lot of people have read your works, um, Sacred Economics, other various uh, books uh, about your philosophy, uh, some uh, great ideas. Um, and so people know you. And you've recently come to our community. And people were just, like, immediately, like, and, of course, I wanted to have you on the podcast, but people were, like, writing me, like, you got to have Charles on the podcast. And, like, so, thank you so much. The first thing you said was, I was like, Charles, will you be on the podcast? He's like, I don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. Let's talk about that. I
1: love right. that. Yeah, yeah. So what did you, what did you mean by that? Well, like, first I had to say no before I could say yes. <laughs> Is and that I, the thing? Well, be, be, because I, I guess, you know, early on in my career, I would say yes to everything. And then it became... You know this. This started to weigh really heavy on me, and I, and part of my personality is I like to please people, uh, and I just tend to say yes before I'm actually a yes. Mm. So I've actually in the last couple of years I've I've worked a lot with yes and no, mm. um, in in medicine space, you know, and just in my my contemplation, and and so sometimes because I'm kind of a novice at it, I have to say no to establish that I can say yes. Mm, That's beautiful. That's great, especially if you, like
0: you said, you've had some experience with, like, you know, feeling like a people pleaser. Maybe this is good advice. Learn to say no first, maybe, and then you can feel the yes. Well, I'm honored. We are honored that you said yes. Um, And your medicine, I mean, so medicine space, is is that, like, something you've been working with?
1: Uh, A little bit. You know, I'm I'm not, like, you know, someone who's like deeply following a medicine path, you know, sure. about, like, you know, some psychonaut who's, you know, done heroic doses of everything Right. that I've worked with, with, I mean, actually in the last five years, I've been pretty much unable to, to really found by uh, i take most medicines. Um, Why? I get this physiological thing oh. like, like blood sugar crash. Mm. And my experience is, not very psychedelic it's more of just like physical physical like feeling like i'm starving oh and not like a psychological like identification with all starving people in the world it's just like you're hungry like, I'm, I'm hungry <laughs> i'm shaking with low blood sugar i'm weak you know i can't get up uh and well maybe
0: it's uh the you know in some way that's your body and or the medicine telling you it's, you've you've done your work you, this isn't your medicine anymore that
1: would be very flattering but um i actually think i have a lot more learning to do and and uh i've been you know changing my diet and and really prioritizing my well-being good i think i'm actually getting better now
0: oh good yeah oh well oh, and then, and then maybe that's it maybe it's like
1: making you ultra aware of your physiology. i think actually like <laughs> in some way it's actually about um being more material mm. you know being more incarnated mm. and a lot of medicine kind of takes you out of your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all. Um, you know, Combo, for example, definitely doesn't take you out of your right. Body. right. But um, a lot of medicine does take you out, especially stuff like ketamine, you know, or okay. or acid. Um, although you can have medicine journeys that are very embodied. embodied. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tend to, like, even 5-MAO, for me, I'm like... These things that take you away, I'm yeah, yeah. I, I, cool. I, all of my five meo experiences were completely physical. Interesting. No visions, nothing.
0: Well, you know, this yeah. is it's interesting because the first what I was going to ask you is like, as a philosopher, as a thinker, because I know this is the one thing I know about you is you are very deep. You think very deeply before you even answer a question. Is like you're, I see you stop and think, and I can almost see the cogs in your brain working that you are a very philosophical person. And maybe I was gonna ask if that has in, you know, what your experience has been since the medicine started. You've you've been using the medicine, but it makes sense to me almost in a way that it actually takes you out of your head more. It's actually more of an embodied experience because I find medicine has a way of balancing us and giving us what we need. Maybe yeah. you're already a deeply pensive person.
1: If it's the right medicine, you know, it has an intelligence and it knows what you need better than you know sometimes. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, well, cool, and how's your your time? You've recently been spent, you've been coming down here for a couple of years, like, spending, like, uh, like a few months at a time in La Covia, right? Um, we were here for a month last year and here for a month again this year. And you've in, bought a lot in the new Ecovia San Mateo? Mm-hmm. Is your plan to live down here?
1: Um. You know, maybe we have, you know, we have a ten-year-old. Yeah, uh, he's turning eleven, and where we ended up for various family reasons and and and, and other reasons in the states is just not a schooling alternative that's radical enough uh, to fit my values and philosophy, but also to fit his temperament. Mm-hmm. And um, is that what attracted you to this area? Yeah, we, we would not be here if it weren't for. It was called Casa Sula. Now it's... Echo School. School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like a big draw. Um, especially, you know, Carrie's entering middle school years, which is just, you know... At least in public school, it's just inhumane. Interesting. You know, so...
0: Does so he, he want to be in Sula? Yeah. He likes it. He likes it. Yeah. Which or Sula or now EcoVia School... Are they following, is that be a school following the same philosophy as the Sula where there's um, not really
1: a. It is very, um, the, the children have a lot of freedom and independence. Uh-huh. Uh, right, right now they're basically redesigning the school. Right. The children. The are, children are redesigning. And it's not school. just lip service. You know, what color should we paint the wall? But actually like, you know, how do we want to allocate the space? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, you know, this is your school. What do you, what do you want to do with it?
0: Right. So one of the hallmarks of Sula and now the new EcoVia School is that the kids actually don't there's not really teachers. It's the kids are actually like kind of following their own passions and allowing their passions to kind of lead them and following different things. Right. And then the the guides or the parents and the and the guides there are kind of just there supporting them in learning about what they're passionate about. Right.
1: Uh, I think they're a little bit more active in that. OK, um, but what you've described is kind of uh, the Sudbury model model of free schooling. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that the shortcoming of that model is is when the when the when the teachers or the staff are so hands off, whether like not even trying to inspire the children with something, you know, and right. offer it. Well, that was
0: kind of my solicited offers. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that that's important. Like the like some of the best teachers I had, they were great teachers because they were enthusiastic about something and it mm-hmm. affected me with that. And if it had just been, okay, what are you passionate about? Like I never would have even known that these things existed. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and, and in any healthy society, children learn through through um, their interactions with adults. You know, they, they learn how to hunt. They learn yeah. how to build a house. They right. learn how to play music. You know, they don't, they don't, they're not separated off from society. If you're going to do that, then you, I think, you do have to have some kind of curriculum. Sure, you know, but but the, the thing is, you know, when when like in public school, and in most schools, in, on the world, on this planet today, you go to an institution that was made by distant authorities, and you march through a curriculum that was designed by somebody else. Right. So the life lesson you learn is. How to live the life that somebody else plans for you? Right. It's training in authoritarianism, you know, being a a, 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 a complicit subject. Okay. And and I don't want to subject my kid to that. Right. And and, and also, but I also trust, like, aside from all the that <laughs> value, all those values, right, all, that, right, right. all that dogma, the for me the litmus test is, you know, if there's no school that day, is he disappointed or is he happy? Back home, we're setting up a public school just for one year, you know, so he can have that experience. And man, if there's a snow day, he is ecstatic. Uh huh. Whereas here, uh, he's enthusiastic to go. Yeah. One day he came home from school and said, and said, when is it going to be tomorrow? Because he liked school so much that he wanted to be tomorrow so he could go back to school. That's amazing. And you're, when you say back home,
0: you're in Rhode Island. Yeah. And just so, just a little bit of can we talk a little bit about history like what was your new where were you raised
1: i was raised in pennsylvania
0: pennsylvania state college pennsylvania right and you your your father or mother or both were uh working at
1: at yeah my father was a professor my mom was a uh, attorney attorney okay what was your dad teaching political science (laughs) of
0: course which we'll get to in a moment The, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree but you, so you were raised in the education system. I mean, literally, your parents worked. Your dad worked in it, and and would you say you? what did you go to public school or private yeah,
1: school? Yeah, I went to public school.
0: And so you, that's is where you're kind of this.
1: But you turned out okay.
0: <laughs> you're turned out questioning the system.
1: The, human beings are resilient, and I, I was very fortunate to have, um, you know, certain experiences and, and inputs that. Uh, Loosened the hold of the ideology that that the school system indoctrinates in, into into you.
0: So, you. Would you say your father like supported
1: you in that? Like, uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, they, my my parents highly valued educational attainment. You know, it was you well, know, a different unquestionable, generation. unquestionable that I would go to college, that I would go to grad school, et cetera. Et cetera. You did know? you? I went to college, not grad school. Where did you go? Yale. Yeah. Where'd you stay? mathematics and philosophy. Okay.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, so like I, I, I,
0: together or separate together. So they, they tie in together. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a whole that's I mean, a little, there was like a you know, conversation.
1: Yeah. Like there's like so you know, mathematical logic, you know, set theory, you know, like foundations of mathematics. I took a lot of regular math classes too, but it was, um, I mean, I thought I was going to find the deepest answers. I
0: know. Well, that's where it is. In my mind, I'm thinking mm. like that. Yeah. So, what did you, what's the takeaway from all that years? Ago?
1: Well, eventually, I, <laughs> you know, is there. The difference? answers that I was looking for were not to be found in mathematics. In the curriculum of Yale University. Okay. <laughs> in mathematics or philosophy. Right. And then after I graduated, I went to Taiwan and I had experiences there that. Completely disintegrated the idea that the way of knowing embodied by the Western educational system is bringing us any closer to truth mm. like like because there were things that I experienced that were so far off the map that they would be considered impossible in the knowledge system that I was trained in like
0: can you give an example
1: yeah like 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 Suffered Chinese medicine, qigong, you know, like ghosts. I mean, I was immersed in a Buddhist-Taoist
0: society, and they're very that. That stuff is all those things you mentioned are very like present in their world. Like, do, what, for instance, do they yeah. believe ghosts are real and very yeah. like
1: present? And not only that, they're not even like they're not even that weird. You know, it would be like to like question that would be to if you and I questioned the existence of bacteria. You know, even bacteria. Right. You know, and like, you know, it seems and to someone who's never seen one and grew up outside of a scientific society, this idea that there are these tiny little things that make you sick Right. I mean, like,
0: oh, yeah. Right. From a from a very uh, right. From that perspective, it's very.
1: That's how real ghosts were. Like it wasn't like, you know, you weren't like a kook. You weren't a kook if you, uh, you know, reported having seen a ghost. Have you ever seen a ghost? No, but, but we lived in one apartment that, that, that you could hear all kinds of really weird shit. Mm-hmm. And and my wife, at the time, Patsy saw the ghost. And, wow. and, and you know, if that happens, like I, I once rode in a taxi cab and the cab driver told me about this experience he had like a week before where he picks in the dead of night, he picks up a woman dressed in wedding wedding clothes and she gives him an address in the oldest part of the city. He drives her there, and the address does not exist. And he's he looks back to ask her, and she's not there. Her. And
0: man, you know, that's like some, that's like some scary story. You remember the scary stories, the books, so. right? <laughs> yeah. And
1: you know, it probably turns out that that building, you know, that there had been a building that oh, was man, burned, down, burned down. And she died in it. But but you know, right? The impact of that story okay. was not to change his worldview forever. It was. Oh shit, i better take my cab to a Taoist priest priest to clear out the the you know, the yin energy from the ghost. Because for him it was that's of course that as possible. And that yeah. Happens. And it's not something that he that he wants to happen. It doesn't make him feel special. Interesting. It's kind of a it would be like, you know, if somebody with headlights sat in your cab and like, Oh you man, now we gotta go. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So so you were you were living you moved to Taiwan, what brought you to Taiwan? Well, I just, you know, felt completely alienated by American right. society. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I got through college, but I had no ambition. You know, I, I just could not be bothered to mm. apply for grad school or the foreign service or medical school or law sure. school or Wall Street or any of the things that my classmates were doing. I just had no interest. This is after college. This is well. I actually went to Taiwan during college, but then, oh. but then after I graduated. I went back, right? You know, but even during college, it was because I hated college. I yeah. just felt so alienated by it. Yeah, like of all the places, there was
0: no like what. What was it about Taiwan though that called you the most? Because Taiwan is like so.
1: Taiwan's a. It felt like I sat down with a map and south of China, separate from China. It felt like I sat down with a map and did a did a cost benefit analysis of what countries no. to go go to. You know, it was it was you know a series of. We met somebody from Taiwan or something? Yeah, I mean, actually what it was, um, I, you know, there's a language requirement. And I dig in Spanish in high school, but it was totally useless. Really. So I basically, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but I met this hot girl.
0: <laughs> I mean, and she's like, oh, yeah.
1: It's not life. embarrassing. That's why I didn't get a Chinese class. Well, I probably live here. <laughs> you know, and and... And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll I'll check out that class, <laughs> and it turned out that the teacher was wonderful. Mm. So I ended up in that class, and this was in school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, at Yale, and then right, and then after uh, a year, a year and a half, you know, a year, and then I was in the second year of just taking it as my language requirement. I, I was like, I'm not learning this, I'm not learning anything. The language was Mandarin or Chinese. Mandarin. Yeah. Mandarin. And I, you know, I'm like, I am not going to learn Chinese this way. Right. So then I, like, well, I could just go to Taiwan. And 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 I was like, no, I couldn't. I can't do that. I can't just leave college and go to Taiwan because, because, hold on, why can't I go to Taiwan? Exactly. And, like, I couldn't think of a good reason not. Exactly. So I, like, okay, I guess I'm going. I
0: had a similar experience. I studied anthropology at Kent State University in Northeast Ohio. And I remember thinking, like, I'm studying Native Americans sitting in a classroom from uh, my, our professor, Professor Proofer was a former, you know, Nazi youth, really character, this guy, and he was like, They're, call them fucking Indians. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is the best place to be learning about Native American culture. Like, why don't I just go to the reservations? Why don't I just go to there? And if I want to learn about them, so it sounds kind of similar. Like you had like, yeah. And yeah. and there you met uh a, you got married you were married to Patsy had, said. yeah yeah and yeah. you had some kids yeah how many kids were there three three yeah and you were together for how long um,
1: like ten ten years yeah yeah and Jimmy's one
0: of them I met Jim yeah I know him from yep. Costa Rica Co- yeah Envision Festival yep. and uh, now you have a, a lovely wife Stella who I love I adore mm-hmm. Stella by the way yeah. And, and you have a, another child, a nine-year-old. Ten. Ten. ten
1: almost a Right, right. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay, well, and, and there was things in between there. Um, I know you're very busy, so I want to, you know, you're sitting in the sun right now, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask you also, um, you have recently, you're very involved in the Kennedy campaign, or you got involved. I read that online. What's your involvement? Um. Well, I was... Talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., by yeah, the way. He's running for yeah. president this year as an independent.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I got involved very early on through um, a synchronicity, actually, like uh, like a pretty outrageous synchronicity, and I kind of, I like to follow those. Mm. And I admire him for certain things, you know, and um, I was supposed to be policy director, but but um, some very serious disagreements arose. Policy, oh, you are a policy director. I was supposedly policy director, yeah. Wow, that's that's a serious... No, I mean, I was like, you know, um, I mean, you know, I, I would say that I'm, I'm one of the, you know, top, top staff. Um, but, you know, at some point, um, you know, like, who I am, like, what I'm made for is not to be a campaign staffer. Sure, it's not just an issue of I disagree with him, like especially about Gaza. You know, um, like we have some very profound disagreements. Sure, but you know, if you want a, if you want a, a president who, with whom you have no disagreements, you have to run yourself. Yeah,
0: there's no way. There's no way. And I
1: still think he's, as far as his understanding of, of corruption in government, of uh, the threat of totalitarianism. Um, his stand for civil li- civil liberties, you know, free speech. Um, his stand on the environment, um, uh, yeah, and and to some degree, peace. Like, there's there's a lot that I agree with him on. Sure. And um, you know, like, because every time I get really indignant about, you know, how can he be supporting, you know, this or that Israeli war crimes, right? Right. You know, and and like I'm like, okay, yeah, and. What are the alternatives? Joe Biden, right? And Trump,
0: right? You know, like, which is going to happen? It's going to be Biden and Trump again on the two
1: big guys, right? But- and and uh, and I think that that it would be such an incredible reset for our country, yeah, um, to break that that two party system. A hundred percent. So, so I, I still am working for his election. Excellent. And I'm just trying to find what is what is my best role to do that. Yeah, and, and it's like. Here's another thing, like um, so. I, I I spoke at the uh, what's it called Feria, the the fair, like the Sunday farmers market, the Feria, yeah. the fair, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Echo Feria last week. Eco-feria, we have a local
0: yeah. farmers market every Sunday, and yeah. What did you speak about?
1: That, and and I just you know spoke about community and and um, the importance of having like these sanctuaries where 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 you don't have to. Uphold your values because they're in the environment. And, and so I spoke about some of that, but it came up in one of the questions of Kennedy. And I was like, yeah, I've been working for Kennedy. And one woman just got up and walked right out. Because... Because just staunch something or other. I don't know why, you know. Um, but, it's, you know, I feel like a little nervous to identify politically... Because yeah. political identification has become uh, <coughs> one of the, the badges of belonging right. to a certain tribe. And if you state the wrong political opinion or that you back the wrong candidate, sure. if you associate yourself with the wrong person. Or the wrong ideas. The wrong ideas, then right. you get expelled and and ostracized and, and you know, canceled, denounced. I and that, that happened to me, you know, during COVID. I have a little PTSD from it.
0: Oh, because you, you, know, you were not 100% into the vaccine world or something.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, you know, a dissident from, um, you know, a lot of the COVID orthodoxy. Right. You know, I, I, I was against the lockdowns and the mandates, and I thought the masking was basically like a form of medical theater. And, I mean, the whole thing, you know, I, I was a very... Um, do, you I still, do you still feel that way? I'm just curious. Like, because yeah. hindsight, you're looking back, yeah. Oh, I think that... that I mean, a lot of the stuff that, that that I was saying that was denounced as rabid conspiracy theories has yeah. now have been quietly acknowledged. Right, right, exactly. So, but, but, but you know, but, <laughs> but anyway, just to, to long, long story short, um, this fear of being associated with the bad thing or the bad person is at the root of the intensifying divisions of our society and i'm not going to stop yeah supporting who i think is the best candidate just because i'm afraid of being associated right with some of his ideas that i do think are actually repugnant you know sure. that i have actually not um, in line but at least he keeps me around you know he's he's like my voice is present there yeah and i'm not i'm not keeping quiet let me tell you
0: yeah, and he and yeah. maybe he, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know him from anybody, but I would say, like, of all the candidates and of all the organizations, that's maybe the one that's more open to hearing alternative viewpoints and like kind of being questioned and being. Yeah. So I, I hope you stay. I hope you do. I hope you stay on as policy director because that would be amazing. I know that you and I share a lot of yeah philosophy, and uh, you know, people like us need a voice. I mean, the United States presidency. What? Yeah, like you said, what an amazing experience it would be to break that two-party system and I think if anybody can do it I thought I I was a big Bernie guy but I was sad when he folded into my yeah I was like because he could have done it I think he could have done it but I think if
1: anyone can do it I think a Kennedy could do it I think so and yeah so right I'm not I'm not going to be policy director but I'm you know still I'm trying to find actually my best my best use and what you said is really
0: important. I mean, like, people, like you said, wearing a badge or, like, I identify as this or as this. I've never, ever in my life identified as really very much. Like, I've always said, like, you know, uh, I would I'd vote for whoever I think is the best candidate. If the, if the Republicans would run somebody who I thought was worthy or, like, had good ideas, I would totally vote Republican. I don't – I'm not a Democrat. I don't care. Yeah. I vote for whoever I think is the best person. I just think people have gotten, like you said, people have just gotten way too, like, tribal about shit. It's like, dude, this is, that's
1: the whole antithesis of democracy. I mean, right? That's, this is where this is so basic to human nature, though. It's like, if someone asks you, you know, what do you think about Yemen? And most people be like, uh, what do the cool kids say? Like, what, what am I supposed to say that I will be accepted? That I won't be attacked? That I won't be canceled? That I won't be denounced? Right. That I won't be called a White supremacist, or when, or whatever, you know, what are the cool kids saying? And that's what I'll say. Right. That's that is how. It's actually, in a way, a a positive treat, you know, because for for hunter gatherers, the most important thing is social cohesion. Sure. And so we're wired for um, to 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 conform our opinions to those of especially the the, the respected people in the tribe. And that... they're respected for a good reason. Yeah, because they're elders and they've earned that respect. This is a healthy function. Mm. But when that that function gets hijacked by authorities right. who are serving their own wealth and power mm. and setting up a system that that exploits that tendency to look around and see what the cool guys are saying, then we get manipulated as a society into um, uh, our own impoverishment disempowerment mm. into endless war into into like uh, uh i mean our society's in serious decline people are poorer and more miserable than they were a generation ago and mm. why is that well for sure cer-
0: certainly in the united states i mean that to me that's and I know it's, clear it's, and obvious yeah. i mean i would say
1: i, I mean maybe I, here maybe not you
0: know, maybe in some ways, you know, you know, definitely everywhere. I mean, I, I don't think it's so super avoidable here. We just last week, the president who was the former uh, formerly involved with the World Bank announced that he wants to uh, ban uh, farmers markets, producers from coming and selling their goods at farmers markets, which is an essential part of the culture here. Yeah. Like that kind of. Right. So this
1: is towards a, right. authoritarianism and, and like... it's like this ideology of progress. And, you know, the farmers markets are dirty and supermarkets are clean. Uh, I saw that happening in Taiwan, too, when I was there. Uh-huh. This is a global phenomenon. And that ends up. It destroys community. Yeah, it it, dest- it breaks our ties with each other. It breaks our ties with the land and we end up feeling miserable and alone and alienated and hungry for connection. And then we become susceptible to addictions that, that fill that void. And you see the whole devolution of modern society, where, which, which is so contrary to the promise that, that this glorious promise that was uh, predominant in the 1950s and 60s, you know, like b- 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 the future was going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, and it didn't happen.
0: Do you, do you think, like, have you feel like you've lost faith or do you, are you still hopeful?
1: I would say, in a sense, I'm hopeful. Um, but I, by hope, I mean something very specific, which is that I sense a possibility that we can create, that we can work for. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to, not the kind of hope of, like, let me hope I roll, you know, double sixes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have no agency in creating that. That's, that's not what I mean by hopeful. Mm-hmm. Now, by, by hopeful, I mean there is a path to a more beautiful world. Mm-hmm. And and we can recognize each step along the way, even if we can't map out the whole path. Mm-hmm. Like I can't map out the whole path. I don't have all the solutions, no. but I have a, a, a faith in human beings to know what to do, mm-hmm. to recognize the healing path. And as long as, and so in that sense, I have what you might call hope or, or faith mm-hmm. But it's not a guarantee; it's a possibility. Right. I'm. I question. I go back and forth. I was the most hopeful person for so long. I was
0: like, you know, my music was so positive. And gosh, man, I've just been. I've been
1: hurt by people. Life is, you know. Yeah. People can be, be mean, dude. I know. You know. I know. I mean, it's it's devastating when I you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at you know videos from Gaza, you know, and like, you know, stories of like, you know surgeons who have no anesthesia left performing amputations on children that's hard I meaning like or or you know mothers whose milk is dried up because they're starving and their babies are wailing and wailing for for milk until they stop wailing right they become listless like i'm like oh. like there is so much pain and horror. where do you watch people. you
0: where do you get most of your news from
1: i i mean all all over
0: the place uh uh-huh. you know um because I don't see that kind of stuff, but I'm also not looking
1: for it. I think I'm also like, Part of my job really is, to, is to take in... Media. The the best and the worst of what's happening on earth. Mm. That's the only way you get a full picture. And, and the level of miracle that exists out there also needs to be taken in. I heard a story the other day of a man. A man told me a story about how he cured his mother from late Alzheimer's, late-stage Alzheimer's. She couldn't even get out of bed she couldn't remember his name didn't recognize him and he you know went on this crazy protocol then discovered himself and like and now she's like winning bridge tournaments and and like heard it yeah and like dancing taking dancing lessons what was the key what was the? i mean it had to do with like some cannabinoid precursor it was like really cannabis related uh, that was part of it. I don't know. I didn't actually... I wasn't that interested in the details. All right. You know, I'm interested... I'm interested in the details. I'm interested you? in the possibility why you're starting to lose it. Nah. No. No. What are we talking? Yeah. <laughs> um, No, I'm interested in the possibility. <laughs> like, like in order to navigate the future, we have to hmm. have a full set of information. And so, like, what you're talking about, like, used to be really positive, and then, like, you, you... Face again and again, the cruelty and unfairness and betrayal of the world. And like you lose faith in humanity and you're in the d- darkness. That's important too. Yeah. Because you can take that when, when, when your music incorporates that and the positive stuff, that was true. Sure. Like you weren't just like, you know, pretending like you were tapping into a truth there. And when you incorporate all of that into your music, mm-hmm. then it becomes medicine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's true. And, and also you're right. It's a both it's they I, and I also think they both also existed. It's also about like in that time of my life, maybe my focus was more on the positive and now I'm like receiving more lessons around the darkness. And at some point I'm realizing, I'm like, well, I can still choose to focus on what I want to focus on, you know, like for all that's bad that's happening or it has happened there's also a silver lining to all of it. Like all, every time I've experienced that, there's always so much good. So, yeah, it's just sometimes our lives are. I don't know. I think medicine comes to us when we need it in some way. Would
1: you agree with that? Yeah, the medicine is called by the illness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. I've enjoyed this guy. We still. We wait, wait, wait another minute. I just want to say thank you, Charles, for um for coming on here you've been on a lot of very well-known podcasts we're the we're just a little you know, wee podcast but um you're a community guy i love that about you you've been showing up here and yeah um you know supporting our community i know you have a lot of followers out there probably people that are going to see this and like be interested in where we live um i know some people have like bought in equivia just because you're you know yeah they because sh- they share your philosophy you know, it's like we share a common, a common belief that the system that we grew up in doesn't have
1: to be that way, right? Yeah, that's why, uh, why I like it here. You know, the people, the people, the expats or the people, you know, from other countries who I meet here are here because, you know, they have an, on some level rejected the place where they've come from. Ruru. And, and uh, so, like, there's a, a basic commonality. Yeah, that they're you know, that we don't have. They're to, searching for something else. That we don't
0: have to do things yeah. the way it was, right. and also, Costa Ricans have been are very, you know, not every Costa Rican is open minded by any sense of the of the of the idea, but as a general, as a nation, this country has decided they want to be yeah. inclusive.
1: It's a very special place, you know. There's a there's a very, um, some kind of sacred hosting. Yeah, you know, which is not to deny the the. Social inequalities, you know. I mean, there's yeah. a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff like sacred hosting. Yeah, there's. Right? Like,
0: that, I like that. Maybe
1: something like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah, the, check out the new
0: book by Charles Eisenstein, Sacred You're... Hosting. <laughs> no, <they're>... am <laughs> <I'm> just kidding.
1: <laughs> but there's something special about Costa Rica, hmm. you know. Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree. It's a I, it's a special place that they. They're very passionate about the environment. Yeah. And it's it's in it's just like anywhere. Like, is it perfect? No. no. People come here with this ideal of like no. you know, it's the
1: people are all And there is like this element of colonialism, you know, and all the white people coming <sighs> it and stuff like that. And mm, sure. but, but if you reduce it to just that, yeah. You're missing part of the picture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And if you talk to Costa Ricans in which our community, there is a lot of expats, but there's also a, a strong number of Latin Americans, yeah. oh and yeah. Costa Ricans a lot of South stroll. Americans and a lot of a lot of Costa Ricans. In this world, and yeah. they'll they'll you know we all have a lot more in common in this community than we don't you know, right. and maybe the there's some fundamentalist uh you know religious Costa Ricans that have more in common with the yeah. the fundamentalist Christian Americans that right. you know hate expats too because
1: when I, when I wrote about it people were like piled on they were oh, like God they're like you know oh you so you're now going to be a colonist you know? neo colonizer white white you know right. white privilege and stuff and right. yeah I mean that there is. That is something to be looked at. Sure, but it's not just that.
0: No, you know. No, we've had we've talked about that a lot on this on yeah. this show as well because, you know, it happened to Steven, It's happened to yeah. me. It's like everyone, but mostly from people who absolutely don't know actually. Right. And and I'd say most of those people I've actually never been here mm-hmm. and don't really have any. So who cares? Whatever. You're yeah. used to it. You got
1: to be used to it by now, huh? I never get used to it. No. No. That's why I, um, it's hurtful. Don't read comments a lot. It's hurtful. It'd yeah. be like the one comment, you know, that, mm. and it's not even so much personal. It's like it hurts that there's that amount of hate and anger in the yeah. world. You know, it's it's not even like. I mean, sometimes it gets under my skin, but it's more just. Um,
0: no, you know that there's people out, and and obviously you probably know this that, it's just a reflection of that person's own. I doubt. I doubt they really yeah. hate. You know, like
1: well, sometimes I mean, sometimes there is something for me to look at. You know, but if I read all the negative comments and take them all in, I'm going to be spending all my time looking at it. You yeah. Know, oh, is this true? You know, am I really, you know, a wannabe hippie, or am I really, uh,
0: you know, wannabe hippie? Or,
1: like- or am I really, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a psychopathic narcissist who's just? I mean, like, like these psychological diagnoses coming in the comments. You know, and if I actually yeah. like they take would them know. all in, yeah. You know, and some of them might have something there, you know, like, yeah, maybe I got some narcissistic tendencies. I don't know. I don't think there's like a bad narcissist, but, you know, well, <laughs> ha ha, well
0: yeah, well, where are you? well cause yeah. that's that's to stay tuned for the anyway. Envelope. Yeah. So uh, yeah. man, OK. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to your positive and negative comments on this video. I will read them and I won't tell Charles about them because right. we don't want you to know um it's been great Charles thank you so much for coming on this yeah Yeah, really appreciate you brother and um this has been La Vida Verde Podcast my guest oh where can people follow your work where's anything new coming up or the internet Charles Eisenstein the internet we will post something or other maybe your website or you have a website
1: or yeah I publish on Substack Substack we're gonna post but I haven't been publishing that much recently oh I don't know I'm actually um, I have a new book In my mind. Okay. That I'm going to write. You heard it here first. Yeah, this is the first time I've actually mentioned it in public.
0: Charles Eisenstein, thank you so much. This is La Vida Verde podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Heumann, here at Finca Vida Verde. We release episodes every Tuesday at noon. You can watch me and Charles speaking a lot, well, uh, filmed on YouTube. Um, And you can listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We are on Instagram, at Finca Vida Verde we're on Facebook, uh, Binka Vita Verde. I want to say thank you to Eco teas for this lovely mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash La Vita Verde podcast, where we have all kinds of uh, kind of follow-up content and and uh, extra stuff for you. So thank you so much for your support. We'll see you next time. Buuravida. Buuravida.